Section 8 of The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Aparnabhat. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11 by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton The First Day of the Uselessness of Endeavour Against Persistent Ill Fortune When the morning morrowed and the king sat on the throne of his kingship, he summoned his grand wazir, the premier of all his ministers, and said to him, How seest thou the deed this robber youth had done? He hath entered my harem and lain down on my couch and I fear lest there be an object between him and the woman. What deemest thou of the affair? said the wazir. Allah prolonged the king's continuance. What sawest thou in this youth? Is he not ignoble of birth, the son of thieves? Needs must a thief revert to his vile origin, and whoso reareth the serpent's brood shall get of them naught but biting. As for the woman, she is not at fault since from time ago until now nothing appeared from her except good breeding and modest bearing and at this present and the king give me leave i will go to her and question her so i may discover to thee the affair the king gave him leave for this and the wazir went to the queen and said to her i am come to thee on account of a grave shame and i would fain have thee soothfast with me in speech and tell me how came the youth into sleeping chamber quoth she i have no knowledge whatsoever of it no none at all and swear to him a binding oath to that intent whereby he knew that the woman had no inkling of the affair nor was in fault and said to her i will show thee a sleep wherewith thou mayst acquit thyself and thy face be whitened before the king asked she what is it and he answered, When the king calleth for thee, and questioneth thee of this, say thou to him, Yonder youth saw me in the boudoir chamber, and sent me a message, saying, I will give thee an hundred grains of gem for whose price money may not suffice, so thou wilt suffer me to enjoy thee. I laughed at him, who bespake me with such proposal, and rebuffed him. But he sent again to me, saying, And thou consent not thereto, I will come one of the nights, drunken, and enter and lie down in the sleeping chamber, and the king will see me and slay me, so wilt thou be put to shame, and thy face shall be blackened with him, and thine honour dishonoured. Be this thy saying to the king, and I will fare to him forthright, and repeat this to him. Quoth the queen, And I will also say thus, Accordingly, the minister returned to the king and said to him, Verily, this youth hath merited grievous pains and penalties after the abundance of thy bounty, and no kernel which is bitter can ever wax sweet. But as for the woman, I am certified that there is no default in her. Thereupon he repeated to the king the story which he had taught the queen, which when Azad Bakht heard, he rent his raiment and bade the youth be brought. So he fetched him and set him before the king, who bade summon the sworder. And the folk all fixed their eyes upon the youth, 
to the end that they might see what the Suran should do with him. Then said Azad Bakht to him, and his words were words of anger, and the speech of the youth was irreverent and well-bred. I bought thee with my money, and looked for fidelity from thee, wherefore I chose thee over all my grandees and pages, and made thee keeper of my treasuries. Why, then, hast thou outraged my honour, and entered my house, and played traitor with me, and tookest thou no thought of all I have done thee of benefits? replied the youth. O king, I did this not of my choice and free will, and I had no business in being there, but of the lack of my luck. I was driven thither, for that fate was contrary, and fair fortune failed me. Indeed, I had endeavoured with all endeavour that naught of foulness should come forth me, and I kept watch and ward over myself, lest a fault foreshow in me. And none may withstand an ill chance, nor doth striving profit against adverse destiny, as appeareth by the example of the merchant, who was stricken with ill luck, and his endeavour availed him not, and he fell by the badness of his fortune. The king asked, What is the story of the merchant, and how was his luck changed upon him, by the sorriness of his doom? Answered the youth, May Allah prolong the king's continuance, and began. THE STORY OF THE MERCHANT WHO LOST HIS LUCK There was once a merchant who prospered in trade, and at one time his every dharam won him fifty. Presently his luck turned against him, and he knew it not. So he said to himself, I have wealth galore, yet do I toil and travel from country to country. So better had I abide in my own land and rest myself in my own house from this travier and trouble and sell and buy at home. Then he made two parts of his money, and with one bought wheat in summer, saying, When as winter cometh, I shall sell it at a great profit. But when the cold set in, wheat fell to half the price for which he had purchased it, wherein he was concerned with sore chagrin, and left it till the next year. However, the price then fell yet lower, and one of his intimates said to him, Thou hast no luck in this wheat, so do thou sell it at whatsoever price. Said the merchant, Ha! Ah, long have I profited, so tis allowable that I lose this time. Allah is all-knowing, and it abide with me ten full years, I will not sell it save for a gaining bargain. Then he walled up in his anger the granary door with clay, and by the ordinance of Allah Almighty, there came a great rain and descended from the terrace roofs of the house wherein was the wheat, so that the grain rotted, and the merchant had to pay the porters from his purse five hundred dirhams for them to carry it forth and cast it without the city, the smell of it having become fulsome. So his friend said to him, How often did I tell thee thou hadst no luck in wheat? But thou wouldst not give air to my speech, and now it behoveth thee to go to the astrologer and questioned him of thine ascendant. Accordingly, the trader betook himself to the astrologer, and questioned him of his star. An astrophel said to him, Thine ascendant is adverse. Put not forth thy hand to any business, for thou wilt not prosper thereby. However, he paid no heed to the astrologer's words, and said in himself, If I do my business, I am not afraid of aught. Then he took the other half of his money, after he had spent the first in three years, and builded him a ship, 
which he loaded with cargison of whatso seemed good to him, and all that was with him, and embarked on the sea, so he might voyage questing game. The ship remained in port some days till he should be certified whither he would wend, and he said, I will ask the traders what this merchandise profiteth, and in what land tis wanted, and how much can it gain. They directed him to a far country, where his dirham should produce an hundredfold. So he set sail and made for the land in question, but as he went there blew on him a furious gale, and the ship foundered. The merchant saved himself on a plank, and the wind cast him up, naked as he was, on the seashore, where stood a town hard by. He praised Allah and gave him thanks for his preservation. Then seeing a great village nigh hand, he betook himself thither and saw, seated therein, a very old man, whom he acquainted with his case and that which had betide him. The sheikh grieved for him with sore grieving when he heard his tale and set food before him. He ate of it, and the old man said to him, Tarry here with me, so I may make thee my overseer, and factor over a farm I have here, and thou shalt have of me five therams a day answered the merchant allah make fair thy reward and requite thee with his boons and bounties so he abode in this employ till he had sowed and reaped and threshed and winnowed and all was clean in his hand and the sheikh appointed neither agent nor inspector but relied utterly upon him then the merchant bethought himself and said i doubt me the owner of this grain will never give me my due so the better reed were to take of it after the measure of my wage, and if he give me my right, I will return to him that I have taken. So he laid hands upon the grain after the measure of that which fell to him, and hid it in a hiding place. Then he carried the rest, and meted it out to the old man, who said to him, Come, take thy wage, for which I conditioned with thee, and sell the grain, and buy with the price, clothes, and what not else and though thou abide with me ten years, yet shalt thou still have this hire, and I will acquit it to thee on this wise. Quoth the merchant in himself, Indeed, I have done a foul deed by taking it without his permission. Then he went to fetch that which he had hidden of the grain, but found it not, and returned, perplexed, sorrowful, to the sheikh who asked him, What aileth thee to be mournful? And he answered, Methought thou wouldst not pay me my due, so I took of the grain after the measure of my hire, and now thou hadst paid me all my right, I went to bring back to thee that which I had hidden from thee, but found it gone, for those who had come upon it have stolen it. The sheikh was wroth when he heard these words, and said to the merchant, There is no device against ill luck. I had given thee this, but of the sorriness of thy doom and thy fortune. Thou hadst done this deed, O oppressor of thine own self. Thou deemedst I would not fulfil to thee thy wage, but by Allah nevermore will I give thee aught. Then he drove him away from him. So the merchant went forth, woeful, grieving, weeping-eyed, and wandered along the seashore till he came to a sort of duckers diving in the sea for pearls. They saw him weeping and wailing and said to him, what is thy case, and what careth thee shed tears? So he acquainted them with his history from incept to conclusion, whereby the duckers knew him, and asked him, 
Art thou such an one, such of such an one? He answered, Yes. Whereupon they condoled with him, and wept sore for him, and said to him, Abide here till we dive upon thy luck this next time, and whatso betideth us shall be between us and thee. Accordingly they ducked and brought up ten oyster shells, in each two great unions, where they marvelled and said to him, By Allah, thy luck hath reappeared, and thy good star is in the ascendant. Then the pearl fishers gave him the ten pearls and said to him, Sell two of them and make them thy stock in trade, and hide the rest against the time of thy straightness. So he took them, joyful and contented, and applied himself to sewing eight of them in his gown, keeping the two others in his mouth. But a thief saw him and went and advertised his fellows of him, whereupon they gathered together upon him, and took his gown and departed from him. When they were gone away, he arose, saying, The two unions I have will suffice me, and made for the nearest city, where he brought out the pearls for sale. Now as destiny would have it, a certain jeweller of the town had been robbed of ten unions, like those which were with the merchant. So, when he saw the two pearls in the broker's hand, he asked him, To whom do these belong? And the broker answered, To yonder man. The jeweller, seeing the merchant in pauper case and clad in tattered clothes, suspected him and said to him, Where be the other eight pearls? The merchant thought he asked him of those which were in the gown, when as the man had purposed only to surprise him into confession, and replied, The thieves stole them from me. When the jeweller heard his reply, he was certified that it was the white who had taken his good. So he laid hold of him, and hailing him before the chief of police, said to him, This is the man who stole my unions. I have found two of them upon him, and he confesseth to the other eight. Now the wali knew of the theft of the pearls, so he bade throw the merchant into jail. Accordingly they imprisoned him and wept him, and he lay in trunk a whole year, till by the ordinance of Allah Almighty, the chief of police arrested one of the divers aforesaid, and imprisoned him in the prison where the merchant was jailed. The ducker saw him, and knowing him, questioned him of his case, whereupon he told them his tale, and that which had befallen him, and the diver marvelled at the lack of his luck. So, when he came forth of the prison, he acquainted the sultan with the merchant's case, and told him that it was he who had given him the pearls. The sultan bade bring him forth of the jail, and asked him of his story, whereupon he told him all that had befallen him. And the Suran pitied him, and assigned him a lodging in his own palace, together with pay and allowances for his support. Now the lodging in question adjoined the king's house. And whilst the merchant was rejoicing in this, and saying, Verily, my luck hath returned, and I shall live in the shadow of this king the rest of my life, he espied an opening walled up with clay and stones. So he cleared the opening the better to see what was behind it, and behold, it was a window giving upon the lodging of the king's woman. When he saw this, he was startled and affrighted, and rising in haste, fetched clay and stopped it up again. But one of the eunuchs saw him, and suspecting him, repaired to the sultan and told him of this. So he came and seeing the stones pulled out, was wroth with the merchant and said to him, 
be this my reward from thee? That thou seekest to unveil my harem? Thereupon he bade pluck out his eyes, and they did as he commanded. The merchant took his eyes in his hand and said, How long, O star of ill omen, wilt thou afflict me? First my wealth and now my life? And he bewailed himself, saying, Striving profiteth me not against evil fortune. The compassionate aided me not, and effort was worse than useless. Unlikewise, O king, continued the youth, whilst fortune was favourable to me, all that I did came to good. But now that it hath turned against me, everything turneth to my ill. When the youth had made an end of his tale, the king's anger subsided a little. And he said, Return him to the prison, for the day draweth to an end, and tomorrow we will look into his affair and punish him for his ill deeds. End of section 8. Recording by Aparna Bhatt, Edinburgh, Scotland.